year in the Word app has been fantastic for me. It goes everywhere I go, whether it's on the way to work or me listening to it while I'm jogging. It's with me everywhere I go. The year in the Word is so easy. Uh, it's quick and it's mobile, so even if you haven't been involved in a group uh, all year, you can jump right in at any time. Welcome to Seacoast. My name is Josh Walters, and this is my wife, Katie. We are glad that you are here to worship with us this weekend. I want to welcome you if you're joining us online or in one of the venues at an off-site campus, wherever you happen to be. We're glad that you're here, believing it's going to be a great weekend. You know, usually whenever I'm up on a weekend, I will uh, share the message with Katie, preach to her four or five, six times, and she'll give me a... slash a hundred times. <laughs> slash a hundred times. And uh, she's really good at giving me critical feedback, if you know what I'm saying. And so, uh, and so, positive critical. Feedback. There you go. And so this weekend we're gonna be looking at a couple different stories. And I was like, babe, instead of uh, you just passing along all the good stuff to me and me preaching it, and I don't ever come out and say like, Katie gave me that. That was good. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of take it. Yeah, you don't even usually say it to me. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and so I was like, babe, why don't you join me in bringing it? So why don't you join me? Let's give Katie a hand. Glad that you're here. With us Thanks, this weekend, friend. it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Hey, you remember that time that good friend that cuts your hair made a big mistake and you just had to roll with it? You remember that? <laughs> well, that is not what happened, okay? I paid to look like this, just so you know. Dana Bradford attends here, and she actually said to me, she's like, Katie, did Josh do that haircut in support of his dad, the Marine? And I was like, yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly yeah. why he did it, I, I think. I figure every decade or so, you just need a clean, clean slate. You know what I'm saying? Make sure there's not any thinning going on I wasn't aware of, and so. Make sure it grows back. Yeah. It'll grow back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, hey, listen, this past week, we had 800 students at Custom Summer Camp, and of the 800 that were there, yeah, so something to celebrate. Of the 800 students that were there, we had 70 students make decisions to follow Christ. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And so I'm telling you, just awesome. And what I'm, what I'm celebrating about it and what I'm so proud of, not just as a, as a pastor, but as a father, is that, man, this is not normal to see that many students there going after God, leaders yeah. that had taken the week off work to invest in their lives, seeing so many students make decisions. This year we had more students go than we ever did and every single one of them that had a financial need that couldn't cover the whole registration, every need was met because so many of you awesome. gave generously, so many of you were here praying and so whether you were one of those folks or if you're a parent that sent a, a son or a daughter, man, I just wanna invite you to join me in continuing to pray, believing that the seeds that were planted this past week, years from now, are gonna bear fruit and that students yeah. are gonna look back on this camp in the same way I look back on different camps and retreats that I went to as that time where I encountered God in a way that changed everything. And all throughout scripture, when men or women would encounter God, they would stop right there and build an altar or worship. And I just want us to pause on the top of this message to praise God for what he did uh, this, past, this past week and, and pray that he's gonna continue to work mightily in students' lives. So let's pray and then we will get started. 
God, we thank you so much for this past week, and I thank you, God, for every single one of the 800 students that were present and the, the seeds that were planted for the work that you did in their lives, and I pray for every single one of them, God, that it would not return void, that weeks from now as school is getting started, that years from now they would look back on this season, the truth that they heard, uh, the investment that was made in them by the lives of leaders, that it would bear fruit in their lives. Not only would they know you now, but that they would know you for a lifetime, God, that they would walk with you and, and live for you. So we praise you for that, uh, that work that you've done and will continue to do in their lives. And we pray for, for this uh, weekend, God, that you would be present with us now as we get in your word. Would you speak, open our hearts and minds to all that you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I got a question for you as we get started. Have you ever wanted something so desperately uh, that you were powerless to bring about? Maybe you're, you're here today and you're single and uh, you've been praying for a spouse, and you, you show up to church with a little heightened sense of awareness as to who's sitting <laughs> beside you. Uh, maybe you pick your seat selectively because you've been hoping, scoping, and roping, so you're gonna <laughs> worship beside someone else, you know what I'm talking about? Um, but all the while, you're, you're placing yourself in the right places, and you're praying, like you're powerless to just make it happen. Like you're yeah. waiting on, on God to do something, and, and you just can't bring it about, or maybe it's a a sickness or an illness of some kind. It's not life-threatening, but it's just a burden for you, and you're, you're powerless to just fix it, and you're praying and praying, and you know, initially, you had a lot of hope and faith, believing that he could do it, believing that he was gonna show up, believing that he was gonna bring that person into your life, whatever the case was, but as time passes, man, it can be harder and harder for us to maintain faith and maintain confidence in whatever it is that God uh, is gonna do or whatever it is that we've been praying or asking him to do. You know, a couple weeks ago when I was up, I talked with you about the season that we'd been in with my dad. He, uh, he's had stage four lymphoma for about 10 years now, but here recently he had had a series of seizures which led to a brain biopsy, which led to a brain injury. He's been a, in a facility for a couple weeks now, and he's actually gonna be discharged tomorrow, not because he's gotten better, but because doctors are saying that he's, he's plateaued in some ways, and so they've slowly stopped occupational therapy and speech therapy and physical therapy, but they have confirmed that from his brain biopsy that he does have brain cancer. So they've come back and said, hey, we're gonna need to start radiation and chemo. And so we went to dad, said, dad, do you want us to do everything possible to fight for your life? And, and he said, yes. And so it's been, a, it's been a unique season in our faith because it's been one where I'm needing to trust the doctor, doctor's professional opinion you know, when they say he needs chemo and radiation, we're saying, okay, well, let's pursue all treatment while dismissing their personal opinion. When they say things like, uh, I doubt your dad's ever gonna walk again. He'll probably never use his left arm. We've had to receive that counsel and say, you know what, we see a different outcome. Yeah. Uh, we believe in a God who is our healer, who can show yeah. up, and amen. Yeah. And, uh, so it's just been a unique season of our faith when we don't see things going the way that we want to and we had so much faith and confidence to begin with to receive hard news and kind of maintain that same degree of faith now has been tough. Yeah, this season, you know, just like Josh was saying with his dad, it has been such a difficult one. And you guys, we say the church is our family, but you really have been our family. I feel like you've carried this just like it was your people. You've prayed for us, encouraged us, supported us. I think I was um, excited to be up on the weekend more than anything just to say thank you. We love you guys. And we're so grateful, not just at this campus, even across all the campuses. Claudia and Manning is just such a constant prayer warrior Stephen for our family. Gloria Stephen Nashville. Gloria. 
um, truly. We could go on all day. So we're just grateful for the love and support in this season for, um, for his dad, our people. But in other seasons, it's been different things, different areas where our faith has really been tested. You know, we've talked about our marriage struggle before that happened nine years ago. Even just a year ago, I felt like God was calling us to have another child, a sixth child, and I just did not know how is this gonna be possible? You know, I knew how. how. Are we gonna... I knew how it would happen. <laughs> <laughs> just oh clear that up. <laughs> we all know. We know you knew how. It's just the rest of life that follows that, that how. So anyways, there's been multiple seasons like this when just our faith has been tested. And, yeah. um, you know, you're in those kind of dark nights where everything that, um, that you want to believe is just something that you can't see right in front of you. And here's why that's such a big deal. We live in a, in a prove-it culture. Right, you've heard people say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And in some ways, that's a very wise way to live. If you were gonna build a house and somebody came up to you and said, hey, I'll build, I'll build that house for you, you know, it would be responsible for you to say, prove it. You know, like, do you have a portfolio? Do you have the degree, the experience? Do you carry insurance? Like, this is the biggest investment we're ever gonna make in our lives. Show me, do you build the kind of home that we're looking for? So in some ways, it's very wise, I'll believe it when I see it. But in matters of faith, that presents us with a challenge because scripture says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And that without faith, yeah. it's impossible to please God. So there's gonna be times in our lives as believers where there's gonna be things that, that we're not gonna see until we believe. Times where we have to have faith for something even before we see it. And for the last year, we've been in a series called A Year in the Word, where every weekend we're coming to hear a message kind of based on the previous week's readings. And not every week has been like this, but this week, man, chapter after chapter, book after book, I feel like it seemed to address this gap between the circumstances we might be living in and our ability to see whatever it is that God may want to do. In the book of Amos, over and over, uh, God said, the Lord said, Amos, what do you see? Amos, what do you see? And he was using objects right in front of him to help him craft and deliver a message to his people. In the book of Obadiah, that first chapter is entitled Obadiah's Vision, what it was that he saw for the future of God's people. Yeah, Jonah, uh, the, the book of Jonah. We read Jonah this week. We all know Jonah couldn't see. Jonah couldn't in see. In that whale. In the belly of a whale. I don't know if any of you have ever had whale acid in your eyes, but it burns, you can't oh see. Whale acid. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but of course you've never had whale acid in your eyes, okay? <laughs> but uh, today we're gonna be in a number of different stories from 2 Kings, and, and in each of them it presents us with men and women who were in relatable circumstances, things that were challenging, that created fear and anxiety and stress within their lives, and because of what they were walking through physically, it limited their ability to see whatever it was that God might wanna do. And so we're gonna jump in to look at some of these stories that, that will hopefully build some faith in us and helping yeah. us remember and see not only who God is, but what he's capable of in our lives, regardless of what we're walking through. But it's gonna begin oftentimes with us believing something before we see it. The first of which is there on your outline. Seeing is believing, number one, that God can create something when we see nothing. So the first story that we're jumping into in 2 Kings chapter three, you know, there's those stories in the Old Testament, I don't know about you, but that you can just track right along with. You're like, okay, I know what's happening. I see where God's going with this. And then there's some of these stories in the Old Testament you get to and you read them like, 
seven times, and I'm still like, what is going on? Like, who are the players? What's happening in the storyline? And so when I get to stories like that, I'm just committed to kind of listening to it in the message version, figuring out, okay, who are the the players in the yeah. story. And the gist of what's happening here in this story in 2 Kings chapter 3, if you didn't get a chance to, to read it this week, is that you have the king of Israel and then you have the king of Moab. So the king of Moab actually owes a good deal of money, goods, and services to the king of Israel. And the king of Moab just decides, like, I'm not doing it. I'm not paying him. So he's in rebellion to the king of Israel. Well, the king of Israel one day is like, okay, I just cannot stand for this any longer. I'm going to have to go to Moab and whoop the tail, kick the tail of the king of Moab and get what's due me, get what is owed to me. So the king of Israel, just like any dude does, is not gonna go by himself, so he decides to pick two other kings, two other people to go with him. It's a squad. He gets a squad, a, a, king, a king squad. And he actually strategically picks these kings, which we'll learn more about in the rest of the story. But So the king of Israel goes to the king of Judah and to the king of Edom. And he says, hey, will y'all go with me? And all together, we're gonna go into Moab and we're gonna kick the king of Moab's tail and we're gonna get what's mine. So he goes to the king of Judah and the king of Judah is like, I'm with you, my horses are your horses, I'm all in. The king of Edom says the same thing. And before they set out, the king of Edom actually asked, he said, okay, so how are we gonna have to go to get to Moab? And he says, well, we're gonna have to go through the desert. So they set out along the course, but all of a sudden, seven days later, they're still in the desert. They've been circling and circling, and this was something they did not see coming. So they're in the middle of the desert, and all of a sudden, they have nothing. They have no food, they have no water, they have no provision. And we pick up here in the passage in 2 Kings 3, verse 9, it says, the king of Israel exclaims, what? Like, what is going on? Did God just bring the three of us, three kings here just to die, to deliver us into the hands of the Moabites? Like, what is happening? And he comes to this point in life where he's like, this I did not see coming. You know, I knew there was gonna be a battle, but I did not think God would bring us out here just to die, because we have nothing. Yeah, have you ever been in one of those seasons where you had a plan, you know, you thought you knew where you were going, you thought you had the resources you needed, you thought you knew the health or state of the relationship, whatever it might be, only to realize that things were not as they seemed, you know, or it wasn't yeah. gonna work out quite like you thought, and the only reaction that it brings about in you is like, what, are you kidding me? Well, this is exactly where these guys are, and so King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, says, is there not a prophet of the Lord among us that we can reach out to that could seek God on our behalf? And they remember the prophet Elisha, and so they go to him, and Elisha, it's actually a funny passage because he says, hey, if it wasn't for my respect, for the king of Judah, I wouldn't even be entertaining y'all's like questions right now, but because of him, I'll seek God. Somebody bring me a harpist, is what he says. And it's almost like he was saying like, hey, if it wasn't for my respect for Pastor Greg, I wouldn't even be dealing with all y'all, but because of that, somebody turn on good, good father. I'm gonna seek God and see, <laughs> see what happens. I just love like, bring me a harpist. Y'all wonder why the person that plays the keys comes out at the end of the service. It's because for some of y'all, that's the point when you think it's, it's time to start getting your stuff together because we're landing the plane, but that's when God's about to move. People didn't think they were gonna respond. All of a sudden, they're pinning stuff to the cross. It's the spirit keys. It's biblical. Yeah, the <laughs> anointing, know. the anointing. Of and God. so he, the harpist comes, and all of a sudden, God speaks. Elisha seeks him, and this is what the Lord says there in verse 16. This is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water. Everybody say, I will. I will. I will fill this valley with pools of water, for this is what the Lord says. 
You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. What I love about this passage is that the Lord tells him, hey, you're not gonna see wind or rain or any other natural signs that would allow you to dismiss this to natural causes. I will fill this valley. When you look out right now and you see desert, dry, barren wasteland and question, how could any provision, how could anything good come of this? I want you to know that I will do this says the Lord. I'm gonna bring about water to sustain your life in this valley. And it reminds me of Genesis 1 where it says, in the beginning God created. That word there, created, in the Hebrew is bara, B-A-R-A, and it literally means something from nothing. He is the God who can create something from nothing in our lives. And whatever season it is right now that you might be walking through, if if you don't have the passion or energy for, for the day, if you're in a season of life that you're just not enjoying, if your marriage is feeling empty and you've kinda written it off as that's just the way he is or she is or it's not gonna get better, man, the God we serve is the God that can create something from nothing in our lives. Yeah, one of the ways that I've most experienced this God who creates something from nothing was in the area of my emotions. So we shared with you guys um, about our marriage struggle that happened about nine years ago. But one of the most miraculous things I feel like God did during that time is that I can't tell you how um, desert-like it felt when it came to my emotions of love for Josh. I just felt like I had no love, no passion. I would look at him and just not feel anything. I think they got it, babe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were as shocked as I was. <laughs> I was okay, okay. I know it is shocking. <laughs> shocking. But it's that is truth. You know, you just set out <laughs> you set out on this course of marriage and you know, just like here the king of Israel, like you know there's gonna be some battles ahead. What you don't expect is just to die in the desert, you know, and, yeah. and that's how I felt. I just felt like <laughs> Here we are again. I'm telling telling you. It's amazing. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, so like I'm saying, though, I'll never forget during this season, I sat down with this woman, and one of the most encouraging things anybody ever said to me is she said, Katie, so you're saying you don't think God can create new emotions, new feelings of love, new feelings of passion in your marriage? He is the author of those things. And it was as if for the first time, just like Elijah said to them, like, this is an easy thing for our God. And it was like, you know, really, the the blinders had fallen off my eyes because for the first time I was like, wait, I do actually serve a God that could do that, that he could bring about something from nothing in my life. Yeah, so what situation, what season, what circumstances are you in right now that if we were to sit down and describe, you describe them to me, maybe it feels a bit like a desert. Uh, It's not life-giving. You're not seeing how anything good could come from it. How might it build faith in you? How might it cause faith to rise up in you if instead of writing it off, instead of calling it dead, instead of calling it gone, he's never gonna change, she's always been that way, we're never gonna get to this place, I'm never gonna accomplish that. How might it change things if you could start to say, you know what, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord because my God can create something from nothing. So number one, seeing is believing. Uh, that God can create something when we see nothing. Number two there on your outline, seeing is believing, God can provide abundantly when we see lack. God can provide abundantly when we see lack. This story comes from 2 Kings chapter four, and it's about a widow whose husband has just died, and when he died, he was in debt. And a creditor has come to her saying, hey, you gotta pay up 
for what your husband owed. She didn't have any way to do that. And so he said, I'm gonna take your two sons as slaves to pay your husband's debt. So you can imagine just the grief that she's feeling, but now she's also thinking she's gonna be losing her son. And so in a moment, anything that, like everything that meant anything to her in life is gonna be taken away. So she comes to the prophet Elisha just in distress. He can see like, Things are not well, and so he asks her, how can I help you? What can I do for you? What do you have in your home? And this is her response there in verse two. She says, your servant has nothing at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars, and don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. You know, have you ever found yourself in one of those seasons? So maybe you wouldn't have said like, I have nothing, but you're definitely feeling like I do not have enough. You know, I can remember so many different points along our faith journey where I felt that exact way. One time, we knew God was calling me to stay at home with our kids, and but we had, remember, all my student loans like oh, laid out across the table. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just remember looking at you like, we do not have enough. Like, how is God gonna do this, even though I know he's called us to this? And you know, one example that was exactly like this in my life was about a year ago when I said, God was calling us to have a sixth child. And I just will never forget the feeling of lack. I just, I knew that God was calling us to do it, but I already felt like as a mom, I was kind of pouring out and giving all that I had. I couldn't understand how I was gonna have more to give to another child. And um, one day I was pregnant and I was walking through the office and I actually saw my friend Lynn, who happens to be Josh's assistant. And um, she just said like, hey Katie, how can I pray for you? And I think she expected that like four answer, you know, the three or four where you're like, pray for me to have a great week or something like that, but no. I homegirl just started bawling. I'm like crying and I was like, Liv, I just need you to pray that I love this baby. I don't think I'm gonna love this baby. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> crying and she looked at me like, okay, all right, that's happening. You know, and that night I went home and I'm telling the Lord the same thing. I'm like, God, I don't know that I'm gonna have enough love for this baby. And you know, he used this exact passage then to tell me, Katie, yeah. everything that you have is provided for me and you need to trust me. You need to trust me that when it comes time, I'm gonna provide abundantly for what you need. And you know, just to like talk to the ladies for a second this morning is just that I think this story is so special because it is a widow. And you know, she's really thinking like, how am I gonna provide for my two sons? I think if it was a guy, he probably would have just said like, sure, take the sons into slavery. They can work off my debt. Like, I honestly do because I really don't think Josh ever had the question of like, am I gonna love this baby? Well, I just didn't actually verbalize it. I felt, I felt Right, <laughs> no. He might have been thinking like, how am I gonna pay for this Amazon addiction she has for this baby? <laughs> but not like, am I gonna love this baby? But you know, I think for women, somehow we are created with this sense of lack. I don't know if it's because God created us to provide for those around us, but I just feel like it, I, potentially it's why we compare ourselves to so many other women around us because we wake up just thinking like, I don't have enough. Mm -hmm. I don't have what it takes. And you know, I've been a mom now for 14 years and there's not been one day that I've woken up like, I've got this. 
Today, I've got this, you know? I just, I think I wake up with this sense of lack. And it doesn't matter what season you might find yourself in or what God's calling you to, but I just want you to know that our God is the God that loves that about us. He loves us coming to him with our weakness and saying, hey, I don't have enough. And he says, hey, watch me provide abundantly. And you know, in that season of being pregnant, a lot of the soundtrack in my mind, even though I hate to admit this, was, this is a really bad idea. This is just a really bad idea. And not always would I say that out loud to Josh. Sometimes I would, but mostly I would say it to God. But I'll never forget, you know, Anthem is four months old now, and I'll never forget the day when they put him into my arms and I turned, do you remember what I said yeah. to you? I, I'm like tears just pouring down my face and I'm holding that baby and I looked up at Josh and I was like, this was a really good idea. This was a really, really good idea, you know. But God did, he provided abundance in that place of lack, just like he's still doing every day when I kind of come to the end of myself. So just so you know, if whatever season that you might find yourself in where you feel like, I do not have enough, I am not enough, that our God is the God who can provide abundantly in those places of lack and of weakness. That's great. So tell me, if we were to grab coffee, what are the areas of your life, if you were gonna list them out in a sheet of paper to talk through with somebody, what are the areas of your life where if you were to describe them, you would say, man, I feel like I'm, I'm feeling lack in this area. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a, a lack of just general like motivation and passion for life. You may not love the, the job that you're in or the season of life that you're walking through and you're kinda waking up, going through the motions without a lot of passion for it. You remember a day when you had it, but you don't right now, you're just lacking. Maybe it's in passion for your marriage. You know, you remember the days when you were fun and flirty, that you were the best of friends and other things, and, and now that's just not there. You'd say, man, I'm just lacking in this area. How might it cause faith to rise up in you if you could remember today, if you could believe that he is the God that provides abundantly when we see lack? And what I love about that truth here at Seacoast is that it's one we're reminded of every single week across all of our campuses at the end of a service, we read Ephesians 3.20 as the blessing, where we say, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's, that's more than we deserve, more than we could muster up, more than we could dream, more than we would even know to ask for, and it's because yeah. of who he is. Our God is a God who provides abundantly when we see lack. So, Number one, God can create something when we see nothing. Number two, God can provide abundantly when we see lack. And number three there in your outline, seeing is believing that God can bring victory when we see defeat. God can bring victory when we see defeat. In this story in 2 Kings chapter six, the king of Aram is at war with the king of Israel, or he's wanting to be anyway. And each time he makes a play to surround them, capture them, defeat them, uh, God tells the prophet Elisha of their plans, and he goes to the king of Israel and says, hey, avoid this area, don't go here, don't do that. And so one day the king of Aram is just fed up, and he goes to his men and says, hey, which one of you are a traitor? Who's ratting out our, our plans? And they say, king, we're all with you, but God is telling this prophet Elisha even the stuff that you whisper in your bedroom at night. Like he knows everything and he's telling the king of Israel and so we're never gonna get an upper hand on him and so the, the king says, well where is this prophet? And the report comes back that he's in Dothan and so the king says, hey, we're dispatching chariots, soldiers, we're going to Dothan by night and we're gonna surround Elisha and so this passage picks up that next morning when they walk out of their tent there in verse 
15, it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord. Everybody say, oh no. Oh no. Oh no, you've been in that place where things didn't turn out the way you thought they would. All of a sudden, you're shocked, surprised. What am I gonna do? Oh no, my Lord, is what he responded. What shall we do, the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know, that word, oh no, I think that's what has kind of best described this season that we've been in. And um, Josh described it a couple weeks ago when he preached and it honestly hasn't really let up since then. And, you know, I'll never forget, the, one of the first phone calls that we got about his dad was just he was starting to have seizures and he wasn't going to be able to drive anymore. And my first response was, oh, no. I mean, this is my kid's grandfather and just their best friend, their hero. And I would have had no clue how many oh, no's would follow that initial phone call. You know, it just seems like the reports just keep coming and and other things have happened we got an accident a couple week, weeks after he preached and there was injuries but the driver had to be taken to the er and you know on the day of that accident i had a friend who called me and she said katie it just feels like the enemy is like all over y'all right now and you just need to pray and it was just a simple comment that she said in passing but it stuck with me and i started to really make some like agreements with fear i started to feel like oh no this is just not good, and it's just gonna get worse. We, the enemy is all over us. And I'll never forget about a week ago, I was just talking to God about this sense of, of fear that I was having. And, and it was as if he just said to me like, hey, remember that I am the God that mm -hmm. is going to provide a victory. You know how this story ends, Katie. Yeah. You know that the story for people ends in life and love and eternity. The story for your family ends in plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. It doesn't matter what it feels like on those dark nights because you know the end of the story. And it's the same thing that happened here for the kings. When Elijah opened their eyes, they didn't have the win yet. They actually hadn't won the battle. All they could see was for the first time, like, oh wait, they're more with us than there are with them. And you know, I don't know what season you've been through like that. I'm sure if you haven't been, you will. We know that we're promised trouble. But when those seasons come where you just start to feel like, oh no, and you don't have the victory yet, you're still waiting on the victory, you can be assured that our God is the one that brings that victory about even when we see or feel defeat. Yeah, that's so good. Think about the last time that you felt alone in a season or, or struggle that you were walking through. How might it have changed your perspective if you had certainty that God was with you, uh, that there were armies of angels that had your back, that God was with you, that he was for you, that he was a God who could bring about victory? Yeah. What blows me away in this story in particular is that I kind of envision myself uh, sitting in, in the congregation at any one of our campuses, worshiping, surrounded by godly men and women in a season where I'm saying, oh no, and what's, what's at play is I'm seeing circumstances as they are, the things that I'm feeling, the circumstances I'm walking through, the season of struggle that I'm having, and my response is, oh no, what are we gonna do? But what I love in this story is that the prophet Elisha saw another reality at play, a spiritual reality, yeah. that though his servant had been with the prophet of God every day, 
all this time and that somehow Elisha was able to see something that, that the servant didn't see. The servant was totally blind to it. And Elisha had to pray, God, would you open his eyes? Because he sees defeat, but I know that you're with us. Armies of angels surrounded us, chariots of fire. We are gonna be victorious. And I can't help but question, man, how might it change your day? How might it change the season that you're walking through, the, the struggle that you're feeling right now if you knew that you were gonna come out of it victorious? Yeah. Because God is with you and he's for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Man, steps of faith that feel so huge. All of a sudden, we could have boldness and courage to take because we would know that God is with us. There's going to be times in our lives as believers where we're gonna have to believe things before we see them. Times where our response is, what? Or I've got nothing, or oh no, what am I gonna do? That we've gotta remember, just as Elisha prayed for his servant, God, would you help me see what you're doing? Would you help me to see rightly who you are and what you wanna accomplish in my life? So those are some things that if we will believe, if we'll take that step, man, faith will rise up inside of us. But the question then practically is what do we do? What do I do if I'm in one of those seasons today and I'm having a hard time seeing the desired outcome, seeing through eyes of faith whatever God might wanna do? A couple things for you there on the back of your outline. The first thing that we have to do is find a man or woman of God. Yeah, find a man or woman of God. So you remember King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, when, they, when in that very first story, when they got to that place in the desert, the first thing that he said is, is there a man or woman of God that we can inquire of that can speak some life into this situation? And I can't tell you how many times I've come into this house with that same question. Like, is there a woman of God who can speak some truth, speak some life, speak some victory in this situation. You know, I didn't say this, but before I actually went to go have Anthem, I knew I wanted to get prayer um, from one of the prayer team members, and I went to them, and, and I didn't tell them any of the fears I was having, but they actually said immediately, Kathy said, hey, Katie, you think that you're not gonna be enough to be a blessing for this baby, but this baby is gonna be a blessing to you and to your family, and this baby is gonna add to your life, not take from it, and I just clung to that word, that word of truth. And you know, we've actually been able to be that for some of you guys too, where we've been able to say, you see infertility, but God tells us you're gonna have a yeah. child. Or you see this broken, busted marriage. We see a restored, healed marriage. Or you see a wayward child. I see a child that's gonna come back home just like I did, who's gonna serve God faithfully and love him with all of her heart. And you know, so he uses men and women of God in this church and uses each other to activate our faith, to build our faith when we wanna see something supernatural happen that we're just not seeing in the natural. Yeah, you know, each of those three stories were very natural circumstances that had a very supernatural outcome. And the only thing that unites, the only commonality between each of the three stories is that there was a man of God who saw a different outcome. And so for each of us, whatever season you might be walking through, if you will seek out a man or a woman of God, God will use them to open your eyes to things that you might not have seen. Uh, things that you might not have seen to be true about God or seen to be true of what he wants for you. That may come through the speaking of his word. They'll share a passage with you or a song with you or give you a word of encouragement that God just used to build your faith and strengthen you or it'll come through them sharing a story. You know, maybe something like our marriage struggle or a season that you've walked through and how God has carried you through it. You might not feel like a man or a woman of God, but for you to best steward your story, you have to share it because it'll be a breath of life to people that are feeling alone and beat up and discouraged. So first thing we have to do when we have a hard time seeing is find a man or woman of God. And the second thing we have to do is let them help you. 
Let them help you. In 2 Kings 4 of that story with the widow, when Elisha saw that distress on her face, his, his first question was, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Yeah, you know, okay, so my favorite thing about that second story with the widow is that after Elijah asked her that, he then tells her what to do, and he says, I want you to go around to all your neighbors, mm -hmm. and I want you to ask them for a jar, and he says, don't just get a few. Well, you know what that means? That means that he's kind of forcing her to have these Lynn moments. That moment I told you where I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna love this baby. He's forcing her to walk into her neighbor's house and say, I don't have enough. I need a jar. I need, I'm in a place of helplessness. I need more. He's kind of forcing her to be vulnerable. And that point in our life where we can actually say, hey, I don't feel like I have enough either, that is where we actually do connect with each other. It's the stuff we don't find on social media. It's the stuff that you instead find when you actually pass each other and say, do you feel like that? I feel like that too, you know? And so the best thing about that though, and the reason why I know God wanted that for that woman is because you know what happens is he had plans to provide abundantly for her. Yeah. So that means every single neighbor is gonna see her have more than what she needed in the weeks and years to come. And they were gonna remember the girl who had lack. So he gets so much glory from that moment. So that's why I love the part about let them help you is because God lets us put ourselves in these weak, vulnerable places so that he can get all the glory when he actually does provide in abundance with a thing that we need. That's so good. So what does it look like to let people help you? Practically, as I think back over my life, there's been a number of times that I've surrounded myself with wise counsel. I've sought out men who are godly husbands or fathers or pastors. I'll grab lunch or coffee, talk through where I am, and there's been a number of times that I couldn't see clearly, where I didn't have the hope or faith for a season and they would say, well, Josh, you've got all this going on. I feel like right now you need to set that stuff aside. There's so much going on. Maybe pick it up later in life. And I would listen to their counsel and I'd be shaking my head, yeah, but I'm thinking like, man, you crazy. I'm not gonna do that, you know? <laughs> or, or if I'm in an argument with Katie and I'm talking through how we're feeling, what's going on, and they'd say, well, Josh, you need to, I really feel like you need to go and apologize for Katie. Man, it sounds like you're wrong here. And I'm thinking, I just got her convinced Godly that man. she's in the wrong. I'm not gonna go apologize you know, now. It's like I've done a good job of surrounding myself with godly counsel, but I haven't always done the best job of actually putting myself under their authority. Yeah. Letting them help me see the bigger picture. Helping me see sin in my life or stuff that God might be wanting to do that I'm blinded to. And so practically letting them help you might be you responding to wise counsel trusting in faith that God's gonna use them in some way to sharpen you. It might also look like them practically helping you. I mean, if you're in a season where your, your marriage is struggling and you're talking with a friend and they say, you know what, I, I'm coming over to your house tonight and I'm gonna put the kids to bed and I've got this gift card and the two of you are gonna go out on a date. I got a ch chills just thinking about that. That would be <laughs> incredible, you know? But something about you hears that and you're like, no, 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 you don't need to do that for me. Man, you rob yourself of the blessing that it would be and them of actually practically being able to be a part of the solution that God wants to be a, bring about. So you've got to find a man or woman of God. You've got to be willing to let them help you. But then number three there on your outline, you've got to remember that seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. In order to, to truly see your desired future, the abundantly more, all God has for you, there's gonna be some things that you need to believe before you see them. And at the end of the day, after you've done all the stuff that you know to do, found godly counsel, gone after him 
personally, responded in obedience to the things he's called you to. You've done all that you know to do. There's still gonna be a gap between the circumstances, the season, the story that you're living in and the, the desired future that you would like to have. And it's at that point that you have to say, God, do I trust you? Yeah. Do I trust you? Am I willing to put my faith in you? Because if we will, then at that point, not just, not just for our life, we need to surrender our, our lives to him, enter into a relationship with him, but daily, you know, hourly in the struggle. God, will I trust you even in this? Will I put my hope and faith in you? Because if we will, then we will see him as the God who can create something from nothing. And we'll believe that for our circumstances. We'll, we'll believe he's the God that can bring about victory when we see defeat. And he'll yeah. bring that into our circumstances. You know, if you were to walk out of whatever, uh, whatever campus or uh, building you might be in right now and kind of hold your hand up to the sky, uh, you, could, you could totally block out the sun. You could hide it entirely from your eyes. If you were to go out at night, you could totally block out the, the moon. And the thought behind that is this, your proximity to a problem limits your perspective. And so for whatever season you might be in right now, as you've held up the story and you've read the facts yeah. and you've felt all the emotions, it's so close to you because you're in the thick of it. It's impossible for you to see the bigger picture, for you to rightly see who your God is. But man, if you will surround yourself, if you'll find a godly man or woman, if you'll let them help you, if you'll remember at the end of the day, this is gonna be a faith issue. And if you'll put your faith in God, then you will see him accomplish the immeasurably more, the abundantly more than you could ask or imagine in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this story. And I'm thankful that you are a God who passionately loves us, who relentlessly pursues us, that you are a God of more. In the seasons where we see lack, in the seasons where we see defeat, in the seasons where we would say, God, I've got nothing that you are a good father, that your plans for us are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And so I pray for everyone here today, God, that in some way, whatever season we might be walking through and whatever areas we're feeling stuck or void of life, God, would you open our eyes to see the things of you. May we catch a glimpse of the bigger picture, of the blessing that you have in store for us. Would faith rise up inside of us? Maybe in areas that we've dismissed or written off or just said it's never gonna get any better. God, today would we lean in, would we press in and believe that you are the God that can do abundantly more, that you can bring healing and breakthrough. So God, open our eyes. May we see what you see and go hard after that. In Jesus' name, amen.